Father, tonight we thank You that You are good. You are good. We thank You, Father, that we have a covenant relationship with You and You are good. Lord, we pray tonight that Your Word would minister deeply into our spirits, that we would be hearers and doers of Your Word tonight. God, we give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was reminded while we were singing, you know, we both those songs talk about God is good. So the scripture says God is good. Good is God. God is good. The scripture says that he he in, in Psalm 17, in my daily Bible reading today, it talked about we are the apple of his eye. That's referring to the pupil. You know your pupil is the most protected part of your whole body. I mean, if something comes at you towards your eye, your whole body will go in defense of it. God regards us as the apple of his eye. When something comes at us, he goes into action to protect and to defend. Isn't that good? We need to know something, that it's always the will of God to bless his covenant people. Do you know that? It's always His will to bless His covenant people. The Scripture says in Hebrews 6.14, it says, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Now, the words are in conjunction with instruction to those of us who follow those who've inherited the promises of faith and patience. It's actually, specifically, it said to Abraham as our example of faith. He's our example of faith, and it says as we follow those who are examples for us of faith and patience, the promise then is to us. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that Christ died so that we can have the blessing of Abraham. Here's what it says in in, in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Do you know what the curse of the law was? If you read Deuteronomy, you'll find out the curse of the law was, was poverty. The curse of the law was defeat at the hands of our enemy. The curse of the law was lack. The curse of the law was death. That was the curse of the law. The scripture here tells us that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from that. We've been, in other, he bought us. Remember we talked about the purchase price of his blood several weeks ago, how valuable that blood is? It says, cursed, it says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Abraham was blessed in all things. Now, that's interesting. We've received that blessing. Blessed in all things. It says, it says that, that we might receive. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What was God's promise to Abraham? What was the promise of the Spirit to Abraham? Do you recall? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, talking about Abraham, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
Abraham was promised that he would be the heir of the world. In other words, the world wasn't in charge. He was in charge. Do you realize that's God's promise to you? The devil is not in charge. The Democrats are not in charge. I thought that might be more relevant to some people. The Republicans are not in charge. You and I are the heirs of this world. Because our elder brother went before us, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are joint heirs with him as we walk with God by faith. We have the blessing of Abraham right now. Which means that by God's favor we can accomplish anything he's called us to, and if we stay with God, the devil cannot stop us. He'll try to. And he'll tell us it's, it won't work. But the promise of God is true. I love that verse. It says, surely, blessing, I will bless thee. The word surely is an adverb that means for sure. It's confirmation. For sure. Blessing, I will bless thee. Multiplying, I will multiply thee. The psalmist said in Psalm 115, and this is for somebody tonight, the Lord shall increase you more and more you and your children. That's the blessing of Abraham. It's not just for you. It's for you and your children. That makes me happy all over. God wants to bless us. He wants to increase us. In every area of our lives, Satan is a thief. All he knows how to do is to steal to kill and to destroy. And he will do everything in his power to do that. He wants to do that. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Do you realize that lack is an enemy? Lack lacks an enemy. In any area of our lives, lack is an enemy. I mean, we just said that the curse of the law was sickness, poverty, lack, defeat, and death. All of those have to do with lack. The only way to fight that enemy is to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what we're talking about from the Word of God, talking about God's grace. The good fight of faith is always fought in the realm of the Spirit. It's not yelling at your kids. It's fighting the fight in the realm of the Spirit and calling for their increase. I'm going to give you a promise tonight just to hold. If you don't know this verse, you ought to get hold of it. Hebrews 13, verse 5. This is from the Amplified Bible, the last half of that verse. It says, He, God Himself, has said... I will not in any way fail or give you up or leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold upon you, assuredly not. In the Greek language, it literally four times says, I will not. That's the promise of God. We are covenant Men and women, we have the covenant, the promise of Abraham. The problem with most Christians is we've let the world define who we are, what we are, and what a Christian is supposed to be. The Bible doesn't talk about Christians who have their knees bowed under the pressure of the world. The Bible shows Christians who stand, who stand tall and stand strong in the face of adversity. Understanding, if we're afraid of death, it wins. 
our elder brother overcame death, that we can live a life of victory. We listen. We we are God's people. We I, you know He is good. He is good. The circumstances don't dictate to me what God is. God is good. That's what His Word says, and we can stand on that. Ooh, I'm excited tonight. <laughs> The, the verse I read just a minute ago, Hebrews 13, verse 5. And this is from, and read it from the Amplified because it really is good in the Amplified Bible. I will not, I will not, I will not. So you know what that means? He has not, he has not, he has not. He'll never let go of us. Our text is from John's Gospel, chapter 1. We're going to read verse 16 and begin there. It says, And the Word, talking about Jesus, was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. Now this is the Amplified Version. Verse 16. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, that's past tense, have all received, all had a share, and were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. I love that. I mean, it's, 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 we've been talking about grace. We've been talking about favor. The word grace, the word favor is the same word in the, in the Greek language. They're also the same word in the Hebrew language. We're talking, about, we're talking about grace. We're talking about the favor of God. We've been talking about it for the last, oh, the last two or three times we've gotten together. We've got to know that it's only by the favor of God that the blessing of God comes into our lives. We didn't earn it. We can't make it happen. Apart from His grace, we can do nothing. Grace is that great one thing that we could never possibly earn. We talked about from that verse 16, it's referring to layers of grace. There's more than just one layer of grace. Here's what we know about grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I love that sign over there. Grace is amazing. But it needs to. we need to say it this way, maybe. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved is saving and will save. Because grace isn't past tense. There are layers of grace. There's more grace to be had. And, and by the way, you're not a wretch if you've received grace. You're now a saint. You're now a child of the living God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved is saving and will save a one like me. How about that? Because God, God, His grace, His favor is in our lives. Listen, it's referring to layers. Most Christians think that we're limited to that one experience of grace when we got born again. That's not what the Scripture even teaches us. Most people think that, that grace and mercy are the same thing. They're not the same thing. We talked last week about how, or last time, about how that mercy is about your past. God has mercy on you for your past sin. Grace is about the present and the future. I was praying today, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. You know how he does sometimes? I wasn't even praying. I was listening to music. And I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, grace is God's power that opens heaven 
on your behalf. Isn't that what happened when you got born again? The power when you believed the gospel, the power of God was released and heaven came to you. And you were born again. He said, Grace is God's enabling force that empowers you to accomplish his will. Grace isn't something that, that just happened when I got born again when I was seven years old. Grace is happening now. Grace upon grace. Favor upon favor. I'm telling you, there is more grace to be had. We ought to be going from one layer to another layer. There's grace for healing. There's grace for recovery. There's grace for whatever we need in our lives. We understand, for by grace are you saved. The word saved, as we've said every week, we've said saved does not mean born again. It means rescued, delivered, made well, made whole. Grace makes you whole. Grace gives you shalom. The word shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Grace brings that into your life. Grace does that. We are shalom basically by grace through faith. Delivered, rescued, made whole, made well. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. It's something we'll never earn. And I like this. So we're saved by God's favor. We live by God's favor. Listen, we not only have it, but it's the will of God for us to have more of it. We've read lots of scriptures and we'll read some more tonight. Here's the purpose of faith. To get grace. What's the purpose of grace? To get the will of God done. In our lives. Through us. God wants to get it to us, through us, around us. God wants us. To operate in his supernatural grace. It's not faith is not me getting God to do what I want him to do. Faith is getting grace so God can accomplish what he wants to do. Do you know he wants you healed? Amen. He wants you prospered? He wants you to do well. That's what he wants. We have faith to get the grace so his plan can be done. So far, this is what we've seen. We're going to get to some new stuff in just a minute. So far, we've seen that you, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, are highly favored. Okay, we saw the words, we, the, word, the phrase accepted in the beloved in Ephesians 1 literally is the same thing as highly favored. You and I are highly favored. That's more than regular favored. That's another layer of grace. We found out that grace draws the blessing of God. The favor of God upon our lives will cause people and circumstances to somehow agree with the promise of God. The, the grace of God is this empowerment that gets me where I'm supposed to be. You'll be in the right place at the right time for the right situations and the right opportunities if grace is there, if the favor is there. See, when you have favor, you're his favorite. And he just makes a way for you. By the way, we're all favorites. Those fav- we're for his favorites, not by our doing, but by his doing. And when we received by faith what the blood provided, man, we, we have that grace. It draws his blessing. It, listen, if we don't know that it's the will of God for us to walk in grace and his favor, we won't be looking for it. Christians, sometimes they walk with their heads down. We need to be walking with their heads up looking for the favor. My help comes from the hills. I need to be looking for it. 
There's favor. God wants to bring it to me. When you realize you're the blessed, man, you can, you can operate in a new expectation looking for God's favor. We've seen that, that God's favor, God's grace, is his presence. It's with his presence. Grace is the manifestation of God's presence going with me, before me, and behind me. We saw that from Exodus chapter 33. Moses knew that he found grace in the sight of the Lord when God went with him. Right? We saw that. We've seen in Psalm chapter 5 that we have a shield of grace, a bubble of grace, a circle of grace that surrounds us as we walk in life. We are compassed with favor like it's a shield. It's everywhere. It's all around us. Last week, last time, we saw the scripture says, "Therefore, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's a throne. His throne is a throne of grace. Grace helps Grace can be found. We find it. The throne of God is one of grace. We saw from Acts 4.33, it says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Not regular grace. Great grace. The scripture says in 1 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We're supposed to grow in grace. That means grace can't be a one-time experience when I got born again. I got to grow in grace. The scripture says in James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. So we're talking about layers of grace. One level of grace after another. We ought to be getting lots of layers of grace. All right. So we looked last week about how to get more grace, and that is when we please the Lord. So tonight, we're going to go to another step here. We're going to talk about how we can grow and increase in God's grace. Understand, we can't make it happen. It's not ours to give. It's ours to receive. We can find it. We look for a place. I heard the story about a man who died and went to heaven. You know how these stories go. St. Peter met him at the gate. And he said, okay, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven. He said, that's all you need. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I'll give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. When you reach 100 points, you get in. Okay. Okay, the guy says, I was married to the same woman for 50 years and never cheated on, cheated on her, even in my heart. That's wonderful, said Peter. That's worth three points. The guy says, three points. He says, well, I attended church all my life and supported the ministry with my tithe and my, my, tithe and my service. Terrific, said Peter. Well, that's certainly worth one point. One point, the guy said. How about this? I started a soup kitchen in my city and worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. Fantastic, said Peter. That's worth two more points. The guy said, two points? He said, at this rate, the only way I can get into heaven is by the grace of God. <laughs> and St. Peter said, come on in. That's, that's the way it's going to happen. Grace. Listen, listen to this passage of Scripture. This is out of James chapter 4. We read the first few words of it a minute ago. The Bible says, But he giveth more grace. Now listen to the rest of the verse, and then the next one. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says he gives more grace. The word more, the Greek word is megas, which means bigger. He gives bigger grace. Who does he give it to? The humble. The humble. 
The proud are opposed. The humble get grace. Here's This is a great key. Humble. Being, being humble. Humility is a key to grace. What is humility? See, humility isn't self-abasement. Humility is not, you know, oh, I'm just so rotten and no good, God. There's nothing humble about that. See, I know people, and they're proud of how humble they are. <laughs> we need to be people who are truly humble. In the church, you hear prayers like this, Oh, Lord, we're just so wretched and unworthy. We're just worms of the dust in your sight. That's a bunch of bull, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> that is not what the Bible teaches. I heard a story of a little girl. She was at church and the preacher was praying. And he said, oh, Lord, we are but dust in your sight. The little girl looks at her mom and she says, Mom, what is butt dust? <laughs> we, have, we have been taught by religion that we are butt dust in God's sight. We are not. We are not butt dust. Listen. You can, you can call yourself every lowly word in the world. That's not what the Bible says about you. That is not humility. You're not butt dust. Can I tell you what humility is? Humility is agreeing with God in all matters. When I agree with Him, no matter what I think, God calls that humble. Okay? If God says you're a saint, you're not a sinner. Yeah, but I sinned today. What does the Bible call you? If the Bible says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ because He was made sin, why would you call yourself a sinner? Humility is agreeing with God whether you can see it or not. Whether you feel it or not. If God says you're healed, if God says you're prospered, delivered, if He says you're above and not beneath, what ought you ought to be saying about yourselves? If He said you're the head and not the tail, why would you call yourself the tail? Humility agrees with God. Always. Humility doesn't look in the mirror and say, yeah, you are so stupid. Find it in the Bible. Does it say that? See, pride would make a declaration that's contrary to what he says. <laughs> I'm just going to get my soapbox for one second, then you have to forgive me. <laughs> we sang this song at church Sunday, and we said, my fear, my sin, my shame. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took my fear. I'm not declaring that over me or my family. It's not mine anymore. Jesus took it. We need to make sure that we agree with him. What did he say? Okay, I'm getting off the soapbox now. We need to think about what we say. How, do we agree with him? Here's what pride says. Oh, we'll never get out of this debt. We don't make enough money. That's pride. 
Because you just disagree with God. The Bible says you're the blessed. The Bible says that Jesus became poor that you might be made rich. Did you know that? It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says this, that the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. Proverbs chapter 10. You see, the Bible says something different. Well, wait, yeah, but, 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 this is what I can see. Am I not lying when I say that? Did God ever lie? Would any word from the mouth of God be a lie if I repeated it? We're not butt dust, I'm telling you right now, so quit saying it. We've got to. Pride declares what it sees. It's based on the senses. Humility declares what God said, whether it sees anything or not. Now you've got to admit, that's pretty good right there. And that's hard. I mean, what I just said is way easy to say. But walking it out is where, where the rubber meets the road. Pride fails to tithe when the circumstances are negative. Humility tithes no matter what. Because that's what God said. Humility gives and gives. Pride trusts in me. Humility trusts in God. That draws His grace. He gives grace to the humble. Favor comes when we humble ourselves. Humility repels the devil and draws the presence of God. Pride repels grace and it invites the devil. We need to choose which side we're going to be on here. See, we've seen that it is faith that is the channel that draws the grace. We've got to believe what God said, whether we see anything or not. Y'all all right so far? Amen. Okay. The Amplified Bible says, Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants. Amen. It comes to everybody the same way. Grace comes when we believe what God said. When we believe what he said, the grace for what he said comes through that faith. Just believing it. I mean, God does it that way so anybody can get the grace. Anybody. There's not one of us in this room that has more access to grace than anybody else. The Bible says we have access by grace, by faith. Access to grace. Oh, man. So, humility is simply taking God at his word in every situation. We need to learn how to think before we speak. Many people, there's no filter between here and here, and we just say what's going on. The biggest problem with Christians is they say what they feel. The biggest problem in the world today is people say what they feel and believe that what they feel is more valid than the truth and that truth no longer has any meaning if I don't feel like it does. But... Faith believes God's word. Humility says it doesn't matter how I feel. I know that God said it, so I believe that. I've said this many times, maybe even here. There used to be a bumper sticker that said, that said God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let me just shorten it for you. God said it, that settles it. His word is where it's at. So when we... When we when, 
when we walk in favor, some people don't understand, and they'll actually think it's not fair when you get the good stuff. I mean, you, the blessing will be on you, you know, when, you're, when you're, you choose to trust God. And I mean, you're obedient to what He says, no matter what the price is. I mean, the good stuff from God will come. This is what I know about favor. It doesn't just bring you a job. It'll bring you lots of job offers to choose from. The favor of God. I mean, it, 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 it'll, it'll cause the curse of that thing which is impossible to become possible. And people in the world will look at you and go, well, that's just not fair. That's not, how do you get, that's not fair. They'll think, when we have more and more favor, more and more things will become possible. The habit that was unbreakable is broken. The bondage falls off of us. Failures turn into victory. Those that said we couldn't do it will be standing in line to congratulate us for doing it. Because of God's favor. We understand it's not us. We understand it's God's favor that does it. And we're grateful to Him and we acknowledge Him and all those things. But it's God's grace. We can't take the credit. It doesn't seem like it's fair. But the moment you take the credit, the grace leaves. Because you just got proud. It's humility. It's His gift. Let me read you a parable that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in the vineyard. And, he, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them to his vineyard. Notice, he agreed with them for a penny a day. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing in the, and idle in the marketplace and said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise about the eleventh hour. He went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand you here all day idle? And they say to him, Because no man hath hired us. And he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last to the first. And when, that's good, it was at dinner tonight. I was first and then I was last all of a sudden. In the line. It says, but when, it says, it says, and when they came, they, they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And they didn't like it. And when they received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that that is thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is mine eye evil because I'm good? So the last shall be first and the first last. For many shall be called and few chosen. That's not very politically correct. Look at verse 2. It says, you can't look, I'll look. It says, and when he agreed with their laborers. The first people had an agreement. The word agreed means to stipulate by contract. These people had a contract. They went to the guy, they wrote out the contract, they didn't write it out, but they had a contract, they signed it, they went to work. They got a penny. A penny was the average day's wage in those times. Which it's, it's, it's a denarius. So the first group had a contract. Nobody else had a contract. The first group agreed. The rest just took the owner at his word when he said, whatever is right. 
No contract. No contract at all. The first group was under the law. They had a contract. They were going to pay, be paid exactly what they earned. No more. No less. They got exactly what they earned. The last group, now they were under grace. They were operating in faith because they took the owner at his word. He says, whatever is right, I'll pay you. Now, isn't that something? Let me say this to you. Faith will never put pressure on people. Faith always relies on grace and draws the grace. These people took the boss at his word. Look what grace does. They got paid for the whole day and only worked one hour. Grace opened a door that they didn't deserve. Man, I'm telling you, that's a good deal. Now, they weren't too good to work all day. They just entered into the job by faith without a contract. Man, I know you're getting this. Grace brings you what you don't deserve. It brings you the favor of God when you don't deserve anything. It's His favor. I mean, the law or expecting God to pay you for what you've done for Him as if He could owe you something will be nothing more. And you've got to work a whole lot harder for it. Listen, believers, if we think we're earning something from God, we are fooling ourselves. Grace brings you a day's salary in an hour. A month's salary in a day. A year's salary in a month. Isn't that awesome? I mean, grace, favor, it is His grace. Grace is simply believing what God said and do what He tells us to do. That's humble. That brings favor. I mean, that, that's, that's miraculous. I mean, under the law, the people who were under the law, they thought that was unfair. That's not right. That's not right. They thought grace was the same thing as equality. It's not. Grace is different than that. Listen, you and I, we should have the ideas that are given to us by grace. We ought to be walking with God in His favor. See, they thought they were entitled to the same benefits that grace brought the believers. You can't earn it. There's no entitlement it's believing what he said. If he says, I'll do what... And you know he's going to do what's right. The scripture says he is good. He is good. If he tells you to do it, it's good. No matter what you think or what you feel. Listen, there's no entitlement in the kingdom of God. It's just not there. All will receive grace if the conditions of faith are met. Faith and obedience. Humility. I mean, we know that if we just humble ourselves, the grace will come. Humility is not thinking I deserve it just because God somehow owes it to me because I got up early and prayed for 30 minutes today. It's not because God owes it to me because I gave my tithe this week. Listen, that's like giving your daddy back the money he gave you. It's not because I did something. 
It is simply believing Him. Listen, pride presumes. It presumes I should have more. God owes this to me. Makes a demand. Thinks that it's owed. Humility agrees with the Word and knows that only grace will provide it. Grace. God's favor. See, humility never feels entitled. The word grace, we, we, we've defined it many times, but one of the definitions for the word charis in the Greek literally means graciousness. You can't be gracious to somebody who thinks they deserve more. You can, but you won't. When you get a guest in your home who's always demanding you do this and do that, it's hard to want to do anything for them. But because they're all the time making demands, they want more and more and more. Why would that happen? Because you resist the proud. God resists the proud. When someone makes no presumption, then you do everything for them. Why? Because humility draws grace. It draws it. See, if I have to see it ahead of time before I believe it, then I want a contract. If I have to say, God, you're going to have to do it, you have to, you have to do the first thing, and then I'll take my first step of faith. That's a contract. Grace is drawn when he says, I'll do what's right. Just take the step. And you take the step. He does what's right. He's good. We have this idea that we're going to take the step and there's going to be a mousetrap there. Or worse, a bear trap or whatever might be there. God is good. And we take the step. And sometimes it's like, oh, that didn't work. There's still another step to take. It's not over till the favor shows up. God is going to do it. You see, we don't need a contract. We just follow God. Follow Him. See, a lot of people would follow God if they didn't have to believe anything. But grace is drawn as we obey Him. I don't know about you. I want more grace. I want more grace. I want to simply believe Him and expect Him to do whatever is right. There's an advantage to walking in God's favor. We need to walk in the favor of God, in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we thank You for grace. We thank You, Lord, that we're not under contract. We are under grace. We simply believe Your promise. We simply do what You've asked us to do. And Lord, we give you thanks and honor tonight for your word being accomplished in our lives as we simply believe you. We have the advantage because of your favor. In Jesus' name, amen.